Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, guys. DGS and KMOX 306. As you know, I have a, uh, a long-standing, really good relationship with the FBI. And uh, Jay Greenberg is the special agent in charge. And he is my pal. And he is here today. And I was telling the story. I was going through my iPhone news. Blah, 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 blah. Hey, that's Jay Greenberg. And uh, so I screenshotted it and sent it to Phoebe, who also has a relationship with the FBI, expecting her to get back to me immediately like oh my gosh <laughs> this is Jay and he broke up this crime ring and like three days later she gave me the thumbs up because <laughs> <laughs> she's in KU finding new ways yeah. to do terrible things um, so good to see you again my friend Good. It's great to be here, and I'm glad Phoebe is alive. <laughs> yes, <to> <laughs> yes. Um, so this was a fascinating story. I mean, this was, wow, this was a, a pretty big bust. Yeah, this is this is a great one. So last week we announced some seizure warrants that we served that essentially seized 17 domains or web pages as well as about a million and a half dollars from Democratic People's Republic of Korea, DPRK, or the North Korean government. Uh, the scheme that they have here is just having IT workers that uh, work for U.S. companies, it's hard for the companies without a little bit of digging to figure out that they're actually hiring North Koreans. A lot of times they sit in China or other countries and then it, uh, they find connections here in the U.S. that they can leverage or buy their way into that makes it look like they're working remotely as IT workers for U.S. companies from the U.S. Uh, but in fact, they're working, they're, they are North Koreans, they're working largely from China and the vast majority of the money that they raise through these contract jobs with U.S. companies goes to fund the North Korean ballistic missile program and their weapons of mass destruction program. So it's just great to be able to take some money out of that yeah. and put it back where it belongs here and keep it patriated in the U.S. and take some of those websites down so that they can't do it anymore. So, so the people doing this are not physically here. They are remote, which has become perfectly acceptable not a big deal to hire someone remotely, especially in something like IT. Uh, I, I, I'm sure some of this is secret, but to the extent you can tell us, like, how did you start uh, becoming suspicious about this in the, in, in the beginning? Yeah, sure. So cyber is definitely a team sport. We have private sector companies. We have other partners in the U.S. government, in the entire intelligence community here in the U.S. and internationally. And every single cyber investigation is a combination of all those players doing what each and every one of us does well. So the FBI has unique authorities and capabilities in cyber. So do all of our other U.S. government components, and so do other international governments as well as private sector here, the companies in the U.S. 
And so uh, it's really just working together that we find, hey, there's this anomaly or that anomaly. Let's look into that a little bit more. And in this case, it was largely U.S. companies hiring at point of need some additional contractors in IT. It is, to your point, especially post-pandemic, not unusual at all to have remote workers who are not in the building every day. And so these companies will mail, they will send hardware, their company hardware, to people at their purported home address. And what we found was that, in fact, these North Koreans would adopt a new identity with, say, my name or, you know, the name of somebody here in the U.S., Mm -hmm. and then they would have the hardware shipped to somebody's house or somebody's business, get it on the network there, and then they would access that from wherever they're working. They would remote into that hardware, and it makes them look like they're here. So the real message here for companies that are hearing this or maybe wondering if they have a problem, uh, if you're wondering, if you're in a company and you're wondering if you have a problem, you probably have a problem. Hmm. So the easiest way to deal with this, number one, is on the front end. If you're considering bringing on contract remote labor in any capacity, always conduct video interviews of those people that you're considering hiring. Yeah. And then make sure you know who they are. We would also recommend a really light touch on the Internet just to see if that person's identity that's on the Internet actually lines up with who they say they are and how they present themselves. And then in the event that you've hired somebody like this or you have somebody like this on payroll or as a contractor, do periodic video interviews because a lot of times the people don't look like they should Mm -hmm. or the background doesn't look like they're saying it should. And there will be some clues that that company can find pretty easily. I'm so glad to hear this, not just for you guys getting a win and the bad guys taking uh, an L, but with ThrottleNet, George uh, Rosenthal, who comes in and talks about IT and AI and all this and the phishing scams, it always feels like even when you can stop it, that the bad guys are never brought to justice. Mm-hmm. That they're always they're in Russia or Indonesia or, or where the hell ever. But were you able to actually apprehend some people or were you just able to stop it? So in cyber, we always look for imposing risks and consequences on the actors in a systemic way that builds. So this is definitely taking away the money and taking down some of the infrastructure they've worked really hard to build actually hurts their efforts a great deal here. In terms of the other sort of ripples that happen on top of the pond, those will happen over time. Mm -hmm. And at the right time, we'll talk about what does a joint sequenced operation look like where we've taken some action and some others have taken some action. We'll we'll continue to talk about that uh, as time progresses. Um, Weird analogy, but the way that you have internal combustion engines and you have electric cars and you have hybrids and one day it'll all be electric and you won't be able to find a motor anymore. Uh, Talk to me about how conventional crime, a guy with a gun goes in a bank and says, give me all your money, and online computer crime, is that like outpacing old-fashioned crime as the years go by? Well, you know, I would bucket those in different ways. You know, one thing about what, what, you know, we're calling kind of conventional crime here is that real humans get put in adversarial danger in those real crimes. Like, person with a gun goes into a bank and points that gun at somebody, somebody could lose their life right then that day. How do you really compare that with, say, these fraudulent actors taking $1,000 out of 10,000 people's bank accounts? It's hard to Mm -hmm. compare those. It's why we work everything. Yeah. 
definitely, though, to your point, the world is changing. And with every new connection that's out there where, hey, look, you know, now I can watch videos from this country and it's real time and they're shooting them and that's really neat. It is, but it comes at a, at a cost. It creates a vulnerability where that's a two-way connection. And certainly that connection can be used in ways we don't imagine. Yeah. It, if you had the budget to double the number of FBI agents, could you keep them busy? Is there yes. that much? Yes, without wow. a doubt. Uh, as a matter of fact, Director Ray recently said during some congressional testimony, he would estimate that China, which is the preeminent cyber and CI threat we face as a nation, it outnumbers us at least 50 to 1 wow. in terms of the on-network actors that are there for every FBI agent. Uh, the estimate is there's at least 50 Chinese actors out there on a keyboard. Yeah. And by Chinese, I want to make sure I'm being clear, Chinese Communist Party government of China. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, locally, <clears throat> if you were to get the call, hey, Jay, you're going back to D.C., you're going to Seattle, what have you, and a new SAC came in and you went to lunch and you wanted to introduce them to St. Louis. Uh, obviously, there are many wonderful things about St. Louis you would tell them about, but what would you tell them about as far as here are the kind of things you need to look out for in St. Louis? Here are the kind of crimes that we keep seeing over and over again here in the bi-state. Yeah, definitely from a criminal perspective, we would be heavily focused on violent crime, public corruption, civil rights. Those are mainstays, unfortunately, of our investigative programs here. But, uh, you know, fortunately or otherwise, we have very, very robust terrorism programs, counterintelligence programs, cyber programs like we're talking about today. So uh, it would be a really long lunch. It might be a series of lunches where yeah. we talked about it, you know, that the, the I think the most interesting part or the most interesting opportunity for working in and for the FBI is just how broad our entire mission is and how much it goes across. And so uh, the onboarding for somebody in my role or if I was handing off the baton to somebody, which I'm not, but just working with your hypothetical, mm -hmm. um, you know, that conversation, it really does span internal and things to know about the office and the people and external with partnerships and where we're strong and where we have opportunities. And then when you get into the actual investigative opportunities, there's just so much amazing work happening every day. It is, I beat my alarm clock up every morning. I cannot <laughs> wait to come to work every single day. So I've never asked you this on or off the air, but I think it's an, in, you're an interesting person to ask. Uh, Rebecca, who's here with us, has been in St. Louis for a very long time. I grew up here. And uh, when I get my show prep sitting here on my desk, any, almost any time St. Louis is mentioned, it's some sort of a most dangerous city, scariest city in the world kind of thing. From the standpoint of someone who's now lived here with your family and you've enjoyed all the great things about St. Louis, but it's your job to handle the, the bad things about St. Louis – uh, how does it hit you when you see those lists? Do you feel defensive about St. Louis? Like, hey, wait a minute. You're not getting the whole story here. So let me answer this maybe in a way you're not expecting. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm originally from the Dallas area. And for a segment of my career, I worked in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for about three years. I worked down there. And I will just say, we can never divorce what we see in our job from the impression we take of a city. And so when I went back to my hometown and I was working there for the FBI after being here for almost 10 years in the FBI, I was exposed to things happening in my hometown that I had no idea were happening. And so that colored my view of what I saw in my hometown. Some of that was I was a different person returning. Some of it was visibility to other things that were happening in the area that I was in insider, insider knowledge of. So I would just say 
uh, I get the question all the time, do you like St. Louis? How is it to live here? If you can't have a good time in St. Louis with a family and with interests, um, you just can't have a good time in life. You're bringing problems. St. Louis is a tremendous city, right? I mean, we've got this amazing fall weather and there's the zoo and there's all these different uh, accommodations around the city that make this such a wonderful place to live. Uh, but we do get exposed, all law enforcement does get exposed to kind of the dark underbelly of where we live because that's our job is to be that line between sanity and chaos, uh, sanity and and calm yeah. for everybody. So I would simply say, you know, to answer your question, if you, if you see an officer gassing up at the pump or you see somebody out there who's holding the line, EMS, fire, anything, just go up and thank them. The mm-hmm. job is hard. They do put themselves in front of and they put you and your family in front of themselves and their family. So if you go up and thank them, that would go a long way. And I know uh, there are obviously exceptions in every city, exceptions in every family. Uh, But I know that you've been generally impressed with law enforcement in the area and especially how they work together. Definitely. The, The partnerships here are amazing. It, there is not a day that goes by, not a single day, Dave, seven days a week, without me on the phone with one of the partners. And we're always saying, hey, I just want to call and thank you. This happened. Your guys did this when nobody was looking. Like the integrity around here, the partnerships, the friendships, the support, it is it is exactly what you would expect with a city with the roots that St. Louis has. Yeah. For the ways that people treat each other with respect and dignity. Yeah. <clears throat> Not at all asking you to be political here, but you're aware of what we went through with the prosecuting attorney's office in St. Louis. Are you optimistic uh, with the changeover and the new regimes, are you are you seeing improvements and, and better morale? So definitely when I look across the spectrum here in St. Louis, the Eastern District of Missouri, our primary partners, right, Sailor Fleming Shop, the U.S. Attorney's Office, they're tremendous. They are very forward-leaning in a way that had I not been in three other field offices prior to this, I probably wouldn't have appreciated. They are a very aggressive set of federal prosecutors. They always have been. They work very closely with the circuit attorney's office. And I will just tell you that in all of our task force settings where we have local and state officers working with us and we work with them, um, you know, we always make a conscious decision, hey, how many of these, and and we talk with federal prosecutors and state local prosecutors, how many of these people should be indicted and prosecuted on state level, local level, and how many should go federal? And that's just a conversation we Mm -hmm. have. That's been very, very productive of late. Yeah. Yeah. I have a few friends uh, from my old days as an attorney who are uh, defense attorneys, and they are also very complimentary, especially of the federal prosecuting attorneys saying, get get indicted somewhere else (laughs) because they do a very good job here. They do. Uh, It's a highly professional workforce here. And and uh, the courts, you know, the juries, it is it tends to be very law enforcement friendly. I mean, the people in and around here, they definitely want to see justice done. Yep. Uh, Jay Greenberg, a special agent in charge at the FBI locally. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, Stay safe. All right. Thanks. You too. 325 DGS. Uh, We're going to try and get Mitt Romney on the show. Uh, I interviewed him once when he was running for president and uh, now he has a book. And typically when someone has a book, they'll, they'll do a radio show. And I've said over the years uh, to, to the dismay of many, uh, strong conservatives that I always liked Mitt Romney. He was kind of my guy. And uh, today I read a story where people, he's being asked whether he would jump in the race 
and uh, run for president. And I got excited for a second, like, well, this could be it. Like, this could be the X factor. Maybe Mitt Romney gets in there and and we could have like a reasonable, sane president next time. And he says, well, uh, I would think that before that happened, Godzilla would have to take out yeah. all of the other guys. And he just kept saying it. He kept going. He kept coming back to it like, well, if you know where to find Godzilla. And I'm like, stop talking. What's wrong yeah. with you? Why do you have to be such a dork? Yeah, I watched that interview last night. I don't know if it was uh, 60 Minutes or I get all those shows mixed up, but I, it was an incredibly dorky answer. Oh, man. Uh, but a good Almost disqualifying. Otherwise. I want to read that book. It, it sounds really oh, good. Oh, dude, he is he's spilling the tea. Yeah, he just he just handed over his diary, apparently. And I guess after the fact, when he was reading the book, he said he was like, I can't believe I said that. Yeah, no. I, I, and, and it's especially about Republicans. I mean, he's he's like taking people to task. Uh, Andrew Provel Cheese. This has been an ongoing thing. I almost God. wish my... The wind-up. Yeah, no, just the, the pure emotion. <laughs> I almost wish that my uh, friend Kevin was here for this because he is... He's a hater. Uh, he's a hater. He's not from the St. Louis area, as we know. So from therefore, Michigan. Yeah, therefore, he Detroit has to Kevin. hate... He has to hate Provel cheese, which I do not understand. I, for the first time ever, I got one of those little... Just a little container of Provel cheese from Schnucks. And I ate. The, it was like the best snack I've ever had. It was so good. I love Provel cheese. I love it. And I just don't understand people who don't. I can't like get it through my head. I, I, I've, I've heard the you know the story, the urban legend that only people who are from St. Louis like it, and and no one else can stomach it. They all hate it. But I, I just don't see how that could be. It's so good. There's a concept. There should be a name for it, but it is. Either pretending to dislike something or exaggerating your dislike of something because you think it makes you more cool. Okay. Now, I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who just can't stand Provel cheese. But I've always thought that it's one of those things Mm -hmm. like saying that you hate the Eagles or saying that you hate this or you hate that Mm -hmm. when you're like, you know. Yeah. Like how Simpsons made hating Arby's cool, but it's like Arby's is fine. It's not. It's not bad, but it became like a joke, so it's something everybody laughed at. The hate for St. Louis-style pizza confuses me, not only because I love St. Louis-style pizza, but because it's still pizza. I mean, it's still (laughs) sauce and cheese and toppings. Mm -hmm. I've never had a pizza that I stopped eating. Mm -hmm. I've had pizza that I'm like, mmm, not the best pizza, but I've never not finished (laughs) a pizza. DGS, gorgeous day out there. Dave Murray joins us. Hello, Dave. Hello there. Can I uh, make a little social point before we jump into weather and headlines? Sure. The Uh, answer is always yes, of course. Thank you. You're a gentleman. (laughs) Uh, Rach quoted the other day that comparison is the thief the thief of joy, which I believe the first person to say that was Gilligan. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was I was thinking about this, and it struck me last night. Maybe this is less smart than I felt last night. But not only do we compare ourselves to other people, but at least in today's age, like we don't know that many people, right? Like I only have a few dozen at the most people who I know what their house looks like. I have some idea what their marriage is like. I mean, I could probably count on on both hands people who I actually know and have some idea what their life is like. 
when I am feeling bad about myself or my situation or whatever it is, I'm 99% comparing myself to people on screens or made up people, you know? Yeah. Like it, it's even worse than it used to be when the guy who said that said that, mm-hmm. because now we're not just comparing ourselves. We're comparing ourselves to thousands of that millions of people we would not have even known existed before half of whom are either completely fake or living a very exaggerated online fake lifestyle and i don't know I, it didn't help me feel any better in the moment but i thought that was an interesting thought to put on the air just that like i know i know 10 people and and their lives and their marriages and their kids and their problems and stuff I'm not I'm not comparing myself to them. I'm comparing myself to complete strangers who might not even be real. Yeah, uh, I experienced that a lot too, Dave. I've actually been struggling lately with comparing myself to to others. And I've been trying to stay off of like Instagram as much because sometimes it just makes me feel bad about myself. And I know that that's silly because I'm seeing a curated version of someone else's life. Um, but the same thing with like TikTok, I'll get on a TikTok and I'm like, this, this person just seems so much better than me in every way. They seem like they have a nicer apartment and they're prettier and they're skinnier and they have this and they have this and they have this. And it's like, it's not necessarily real and it's not normal and healthy to identify with and compare yourselves with these people. But this is just something we're going through right now. I truly, truly feel like once some more studies are done, we're going to look back on this period of time and be shocked that we were just mainlining social media in this way and using it all the time Mm -hmm. and especially letting kids use it the way that they use it. It, I think it's going to be, I think it's hurting us so much more than we realize. Yeah, Phoebe's old enough now that she gets it and she knows more certainly about social media than I do. But when she was a teenager, I would tell her, remember that you are seeing everyone else's highlight reel while you are living your own blooper reel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you are going to discount your worth because it's kind of what humans do. And you're going to see all of your friends best foot forward other than your two or three besties who will be honest with you. And that's, you know, worth its weight in gold. I, uh, I find if you really take a step back to like count sort of your own successes and instead of just focusing on other people's successes, if you take a step back and go, okay, I'm not as successful as this person in this way, but I have found success in, you know, this field or, or this part of my life is going really well or, you know, I'm, I'm really, I've, I've had a good time with this or whatever. I found that that can make a big difference. That can help a lot with that feeling. Well, just being thankful for what you have and who you yeah, are. Is basically just, yeah, exactly. Well, the Rabbi, antidote for this kind of thing. Rabbi Shmuel, right off the heels of coming back from Jerusalem after the attack, made such a great point the other day when he said, we never really think about the good stuff. We're always focusing on the bad stuff. And it's really true. We don't like I rarely think like, oh, I have a house that has heat and air conditioning and I have plenty of food. And if I run out of food, it's easy to get and my kids are healthy. But I will think about have I saved enough money or is the show going to go in? You know, like anyway, Dave, any mm-hmm. thoughts? Uh, I, I try. I just stay off social media other than the Facebook page for weather. I just do weather. Good That's man. What I do. Good hey, man. I, I just I, I don't see the purpose of it. Just yeah. don't see the purpose of it. So, I, you know what? I just, hey, man, just keep on living. 
<laughs> so, warm week with a little yes. ups and downs, a little turbulence, right? Yeah, it's um, it's certainly not a late October week coming up. Tomorrow is kind of the transition day where we're going to see more clouds tomorrow, partly to mostly cloudy, maybe a spot shower, but I'm really downplaying that. But it's still windy and warm, 79 for the high. I'm going to come back to the record highs over the next couple of days in a minute. A better chance of showers, couple of thunderstorms, non-severe thunderstorms Tuesday night. Wednesday, clouds, some showers in the morning, then turning partly sunny, still windy and warm, 78 degrees Thursday and Friday, Changeable skies, mix of clouds and sunshine, windy, warm. Each day will bring a period or two of showers and a couple of thunderstorms, 78 to 82 degrees Thursday and Friday. We will be cooler over the weekend, but a front is going to sag just through St. Louis. That will drive our weekend temperatures into the mid-60s, which is uh, actually still a little bit above average now. But there will also be these little waves of showers and now basically showers. I don't think we see much thunderstorms over the weekend. I'm actually a little concerned that a little tropical moisture could get embedded along that front from an old Pacific tropical system. But the, the weekend looks not like a washout, but it doesn't look great. Now, again, Tuesday, 79. <laughs> Wednesday, 78. Thursday, pretty close to 80. Those are not record temperatures. This is kind of a weird number. Tuesday's record high is 85. Wednesday's record high is 87. Thursday's record high is 86. All three of them from 1940. Wow. You just don't see that very often. Uh, too early to uh, talk Halloween. I knew you were going to do I that. I knew you knew I, I was. I have this impressive record high temperature <laughs> fact, and you jump right to Halloween. Tomorrow. I'll, I promise okay. you tomorrow. And it's still a little early only because this front is going to get stuck on us that will take us through Sunday. That's getting us close to Halloween. And I want to I want to see if there's anything to push that out of the way. Yeah. Uh, weird question, Dave. I didn't anticipate asking you, but I'm sitting here as we're talking, looking at CNN and watching all the stories. Um, I'm not calling you old by any means, but a lot of oh, times I have found <laughs> that when especially men uh, re- retire and get older, they kind of check out of a lot of the news because it's so depressing and they realize they can't do that much except for vote. Have you done that or are you still pretty involved? No, I read the Wall Street Journal every day. We tend to watch the ABC nightly news and the NBC nightly news every night. Yeah. Just for a couple of reasons. One is to stay informed because I think if you're a citizen of the United States, you have to stay informed, just not of what's going on in the U.S., but around the world. You've got to be smart about stuff and and read about stuff and think about stuff. But um, we also watch the two newscasts to see, being in the business for so long, both of us, of how they treat certain things mm-hmm. and how they hype certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of, we get we get a lot of chuckles out of it too. One of my weird little joys given, so I'm off at five and I'm rarely home for like the 5.30 Lester Holt news. Uh, but when I am, I love it. And on the weekends, I absolutely love watching like the five, the 5.30, the six. I love watching the morning local news because I just never get to do it in my real life. Yep. That's, that's a habit that we got in when I was working because you were never and you never sat and watched the nightly news when you're when you're working. But on weekends, we always made it a point to to especially watch the Sunday 
afternoon national news. Yeah. A couple stories, Rach. Yeah. Headlines is brought to you by Schnooks. Find hundreds of exclusive digital offers and coupons with the Schnooks Rewards app. So Taylor Swift is dominating the box office again. The era's <laughs> tour ruled the box office for a second straight weekend with $31 million, making it the first concert film ever to stay at number one for two straight weeks. Good Plus, for Taylor. dominating the NFL. Yes. Oh, all the video. I texted Andrew yesterday about the videos of Taylor Swift and uh, Brittany Mahomes like dancing together. It was my time. My Twitter timeline was just inundated with those two. Yo, I I think, you know how like ESPN does uh, Peyton and Eli Manning Mm -hmm. broadcast. I think there's going to become a Taylor Swift channel. Mm, Just the, uh, the camera's always on her in the owner's box and you split it with what's going on in the game. How much longer can this go on? I don't know. As long as they stay together, I guess. You know, and and you got to think at this point, they're they're a serious couple, right? Do you think Taylor Swift ever goes home at the end of the day and is like, I am so overexposed. I'm freaking out. There's too much. (laughs) There's too much Taylor. Or do you think she just loves every second? I don't know. I I have no idea. I am unable to fathom Taylor Swift like at home. By herself, like you know, right. like real, yeah, like relaxing and watching television or whatever the way that the rest of us do. I am unable to comprehend. Seems that. like she <laughs> is mostly working all of the time. Yeah, she's got or a lot of projects going on. If she's not doing something, she's like on her like traveling to do something. Okay, a woman left twelve thousand dollars on a train in New York and somehow managed to get it back. Her name was Juliet Barton, and she boarded the Long Island Railroad on Monday with her life savings stuffed in a backpack. So last Monday, mm. only to realize she'd left it behind <laughs> while transferring to a different train. Thankfully, the backpack was found by a train conductor, and Barton was able to get it back without a single dollar missing. Oh, that's great! It I is love great. to hear stuff like that. And the transit workers who helped recover the money were honored in a ceremony. Ceremony last week. Okay, I got to push back on this. <laughs> Twelve grand in a backpack. What are you doing? Yes, had she Boy. lost it, I would feel bad for her, but I wouldn't feel that bad for her. Like if twelve thousand dollars is what you have to your name, and you put it in a backpack, and you take it with you on a train, and in you leave it, <laughs> I just can't muster up that much sympathy. Yeah, no, I'm no, I see that side of it too. Yeah, that's some. Uh, was it Uncle Billy? From uh, from uh, it's a wonderful life. Who lost all the money? Oh, what was? Oh, yeah, it's he, gonna drive me crazy, Dave. It's Uncle Billy. Yeah, he. Are uh, we sure it's Uncle? Mm-hmm. B- okay. Yeah, How'd he, he lose it. Remember, he like bumped into the bank manager, and the bank manager like swiped the money. But then he came home, and he right. was like, "Ah, I, I had it, but I lost it. I don't know where it is. This envelope that hedge yeah, all a good of impression. your <laughs> all of your money in it." Friggin' Uncle Billy. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. <laughs> Alrighty. So, uh, Andrew, over the weekend, sent me the audio of the Australian billionaire who says that at Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump approached him and told him about nuclear submarines and then about hitting a rock and his discussion and very detailed and the whole bit. And it, it, it literally made me laugh because I had a pretty good idea what Donald Trump was going to say, but it was even, it was like someone doing an impression of him. He said, I've never even met that red haired. I've never even met that red haired weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's pretty funny. Right. (laughs) Red headed weirdo. It's like, it's like uh, a Trump chat bot said it. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 